Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, let's gear it up here on Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker back in studio with us here on One Bills Live. And uh, players out on the practice field here on a cold and chilly day in western New York after snow overnight left some measurable snow on the grassy areas, not on the streets. Ground's still too warm for that. But, yeah, here we are. And apparently uh, fall is over. (laughs) November 1st. Flip the switch. Holy crow. I was not ready for that. My snowblower is still in the shed in the backyard. I got to wheel it out. I was hoping to get one more grass cut in. I don't know if that's happening. I got my little snowplow thingy, and I was last night I got home late, and I was like, gosh, should I put that thing on? Because it was snowing. There was a little snow on my driveway, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, man, if it really comes down, I got to have, and I got to get up, and I got to, but I didn't have to do it. My, my driveway was clearer this morning than it was when I left. Yeah, the ground. When I got home. Yeah, the ground's warm. Yeah, so. I, I Thankfully. Was, yes, I was, you know, relieved of that responsibility this morning. I didn't have to do that, but oof. Right. It's here, man. Flip that switch. Yep. There ain't no rheostat where you gradually slide into the way. It's like, here you go. Here's yeah. some snow. So oof. we'll see what comes of it. I know it's supposed to be some days in the 50s next week, so maybe not all is lost. But, you know, as far as right now, yeah. Because we, we had our bag of candy out on the stoop because traffic <laughs> traffic was down this this week, uh, yeah, uh, this year, yeah. with the weather. I mean, I think if we had 20 trick-or-treaters, it was a lot. And by like 7.38, I was like, I- I'm, not, I'm not interrupting my evening anymore. Right. I'm just going to put the basket out there. And if they take it, one kid takes it all, all the better because it's less that I'll eat. Oof. So I just left it out there and it still yeah. wasn't empty. I think we had maybe three more kids stroll by. I said, take as much as you want. Yeah. And I'm, that was it because the weather severely impacted the, the traffic. We're at a point in history now where holidays have kind of gone like totally, like I, wanna, I don't want to say any other word, Americanized as if they weren't anyway. But now it's like, do kids really have to put a costume on? Have you seen the... Curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. When the- do they really have to do that? <laughs> do they really have to come up and say, trick or treat? Or yes, do you, they do. Or do you just, you know, just yes, hand them candy? Do. Yeah, man, whatever. Okay. Um, I get it. But for me, you can handle it any way you want. Say, you know what? Turn your light. I, my lights are out. I don't have any candy for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. You want some pennies? <laughs> right. That was, that's what I used to get. You go to the old lady's house, you know, she's widowed. She doesn't really get out much. She's mm. probably not driving anymore. She's not going so, to the store to get candy. So, yeah, so the poor lady doesn't have candy. And so what is she throwing in there? She's throwing pennies in your in your bag. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember those. We used to get the pennies. What was the other one I dreaded? Um, gum. Yeah, sometimes gum. And it was like a stick, stick of Wrigley's. Stick of gum. <laughs> What's it? You can't even give me the five pack. Seriously, right? I mean, back then it was a quarter for a five pack of gum. Yeah. Uh, and then there was what they had. Well, I hate candy corn. So when that got thrown in, I was. Candy corn is pretty polarizing, I think. I was out. sour. It's a love hate thing. You either love it or you hate it. There is no in between. It's a bit like black licorice. Yeah, see, now I don't mind that. Yeah, I can. Yeah, it's horrible. You don't like it? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, there we are. It's like we're chemical, on opposite it's like a chemical ends breach, of the list. <laughs> 
<laughs> on opposite ends of the well, eating candy corn is like eating paper. Um, what are you talking about? Oh, it's terrible. Nothing but sugar. No, it's it's awful. Oh, it's got awful. Right. Uh, yeah, different palates. It's fine. Yeah. Right. So, and my point is, you, know, you got there are still neighborhoods now. It's a little. It used to be me and my friend. Let's go. Let's just go. Now it's like parents go out and they. In my village, it's you got the kids in a wagon, and the dad, dad's got a six pack of beer. He's dragging them yeah. around, popping. He, you can get all the candy you want as long as Papa can just drink beer. And they just drag him down the street. They hop out of the sidewalk, run up to the house, come back, get in the wagon. He pulls them down the street, and it's and it's like a parade. I was, I mean, everybody's out. I was unilaterally convinced that Buffalo was a drinking town. <laughs> a, two. A year after I moved to my current house in Lancaster, my kids are three and one, and we go around the corner trick-or-treating, and the guy says, well, if the adults say trick-or-treat, they get something too. I was like, really? So I said, all right, trick-or-treat. Hands me like a little six-ounce split. Happy Halloween. I was like... Buffalo's a drinking town. They're handing out beers to the parents on on Halloween. Circle back. It's like we hit that house again on the way home. It really think about it. Where would that? How far would Halloween deteriorate if it was like in July when it was nice out? Oh, it would. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. It would get bad. It. My wife is proposing that Halloween be moved permanently to the last Saturday. In October, instead of the thirty first, right? Like, just put it on a weekend. Put it on a weekend, so the like kids can trick or treat during the day. Right? You know, you don't have to worry about racing them home from school, racing home from work, and you know what I mean? Right, Get, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm okay. it was, it's a hustle when it's during the week. I yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't have a problem doing that with all the holidays. You know, <laughs> just put everything on Saturday. Everything's oops. <laughs> Everything's got to go on. Yeah. Everything's got to go on a on a weekend, you know. I get it. Or, or actually, not on a weekend. It's either a Friday or a Monday. Yeah, even better. Right. Uh, got to be on a Friday or a Monday. Yeah, even better. Uh, we have to get to a lot of the stuff that has taken place here in the last twenty four hours concerning Buffalo's roster at the trade deadline. We already knew that Leonard Fournette was being added to the practice squad. He's out there for his first day of practice today. And uh, trying to impress that weather does not infect him. He's wearing the short shorts today. Showing a lot of leg playoff Lenny. Um, wearing jersey number five. Yep. So he's out there practicing. The player acquired via trade, Rasul Douglas, is, well, as of this morning, he was still en route because there are no direct flights from Green Bay to Buffalo. So he's kind of doing the airline connection deal. But... Physical was expected to go well today, and then they were hoping they could at least get him out to watch the rest of practice today. So he's a little delayed uh, coming in, and I saw – where did I see this? I saw we had his uh, expected jersey number as well. Hold on. I've got it right here. i got to pull it up off the right window. Uh, 31 will be Rasul Douglas's number. So – Mark that down on your respective rosters. Get him updated uh, in the event that he plays or is dressed on Sunday night. Um, we had that'd be we, tight. It would be. It would be. 
I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, though, that he dresses. You know, he's got experience in zone defenses. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I only think he, he plays defense in an emergency. But I wouldn't rule it out. Wouldn't rule it out just yet. I mean, he's in shape. He's playing. He's been right. playing. He started seven games for the Packers. So, so there you go. Uh, we did hear from Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, uh, prior to practice today. He addressed the media to kind of comment on the trade acquisition on Leonard Fournette and a host of other topics, including Kyir Elam and some other things concerning the team and where he feels they're at now at the midway point of the season. So we want to pass along some of his more poignant comments to you. So we'll begin with how the acquisition of Rasul Douglas came into being. Takes the ball away. You know, he's, he's really um, he's had a unique career. You know, Philly drafts him, I think, third round and uh, didn't – not everything was perfect there for him. He goes down to Carolina. Still wasn't great, but um, – I think went to Arizona's peace squad. And when he went to Green Bay, just light came on for him. Started turning over some big plays and um, very instinctive. You know, you just um, – we talk about instincts all the time. And, and that really, you know, defining instincts is more the coach can show you everything, but sometimes the team's showing you something else that the coach hasn't shown you. And do you react right away? You just instinctively know what to do because you understand – how it all fits together as if you're a coach. And some guys have that, some guys don't. If, if the coach didn't show it, they may not process exactly how to operate um, a different look. He is very instinctive. Right, and Brandon Bean said because of those instincts, it will help him get on the field faster on the defensive side of the ball as he picks up this system. He did admit that he does not know this system, is not familiar with it, so – there will be some study uh, at work here for him. A lot of cram sessions with uh, secondary coach John Butler and others on the defensive staff over the next several days. But Brandon admitted that he called Green Bay last week asking about Rasul Douglas and that Brian Gutenkunz, the GM of the Packers, really didn't want to part with him. They couldn't agree on terms last week. So it sounds as though the Bills raised the ante in order to get the deal done. And Brian Gutenkus apparently just addressed the Green Bay media a short time ago and pretty much admitted, yeah, we were actually looking to add, not sell. And, you know, Brandon Bean convinced him, like, hey, this is a good deal. Take it. And right. uh, we'll we'll put more depth in our secondary. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, too, because you got to think, if, if these guys are like the rest of us, which at some level they are, so some other guy who's your – you know, your colleague from another team calls you and says, Hey, what about it? And you probably have, like, we were, th- like Gudikin said, he said, We're thinking about adding. Then have somebody come in from out of here and say, Hey, listen, we want this guy. And he's like, I don't know. I don't want to get rid of him. I, and he says, It's I, a number two I, corner. Right. And he's like, I don't know. I don't think so. We're gonna, not going to do that. And, and then hang, say, I don't think that's enough. So he hangs up the phone. Then he says, calls the guys in and says, Hey, I just got offered this, 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 and this. And the coaching, you know, head coach, everybody comes in, the coordinators. They mean, what about it? And they, he gets some 
a chance to bounce it off some guys who are in the locker room, yeah. and, and they say, well, you know, that's, you know, we, we, well, let's think about it. Then the, the Bills call back and up the ante a little bit, and he's like, yeah, okay, because he got some reaffirmation from some of the guys in, in the building, and you can imagine how it works. And I think in this point in history, we're finding out there's a lot of conversations that happen all the time that we never hear about. Never hear about. Like this one with, with Douglas. It happened last week. We, nobody would have ever known. Yeah. But able to finalize it yesterday, and so Rasul Douglas will be wearing a Bills uniform going forward. And this kind of insulates them at the cornerback position on a number of fronts. For right now, obviously, uh, because Kyrie Elam is dealing with a nagging ankle injury. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but also because you really don't know what the future holds for Tredavious White. I think we all want to believe that Tredavious is going to be good at some point next year to return, but that is an ACL injury and an Achilles injury to the same leg for a 29-year-old player playing a very one of the most difficult positions to play in the game of football, which is mostly in reverse. Yeah, one of the most physically demanding as far as moving around the field and stuff. Particularly it's, on your Achilles. And it's reactive. Plant and drive. It's not like choreographed. It's reactive. So everything so, you do is freewheeling. Yeah, you know, so next year, training camp, beginning of the season, I'm not expecting Trey White to be out there. So you're still going to be down a man. Dane Jackson's a free agent after this season. So you really only have Benford and Elam under contract and now Rasul Douglas, who has one year left after this year. So to me, you kind of had to do something. Not only for the here and now, but even going into the offseason and, and next training camp, for that matter, because you don't know what you're going to have in Tredavious White next summer. And, and that's no knock on Tredavious. You just you don't know. Right. <clears throat> so that's why it's a, it's I, a, I think it's a now yeah. and, a, and a later type trade. Because the Bills are not in the business of, of doing rentals anyway. They never have made a trade really for a rental player who's just going to be a free agent at the end of the year. You see that more in hockey and other sports, but the Bills are usually not interested. And if you're going to give up a three, you're not doing it for a guy to play nine games plus playoffs for you and then be out the door. That's right. So he's under contract till next year. Brandon Bean also addressed the new practice squad addition, Leonard Fournette, and how he might fit in the offense a little bit down the line here once he's up to speed. I'm always trying to find competition. That's what. That's really what it is. This guy's a proven player, picked number four overall in that 17 draft, has had some success. Um, same thing, not everything worked out in Jacksonville for him, but he, he goes to Tampa and, you know, Brady and him clicked in, in that offense. And um, you, you see what, you know, he's a bruiser. You know, he's a heavy, heavy dude, mid-230s. He looks good. Um, I think when... When we were drafting him, I think we had him around 239, 240. He's a little bit less than that right now. Um, so, yeah, just competition to the room. But he's going to – you know, he missed – he doesn't know this playbook. And so uh, I think it's good of him to come in here and start on the practice squad. He's head down. Uh, he's been great. And so we'll take it one day at a time with him. And, you know, no promises on, on anybody's parts from that standpoint. was interesting, though, that he said he'll start on the practice squad, almost as if to indicate – there's a chance he'll be up on the roster in the not too distant future, provided right. he crosses all his T's and dots all his I's and shows, you know, he's no he knows what he's doing uh, yeah, on the practice no, field. Yeah. Um, 
certainly even this weekend if push came to shove he could have a menu of plays he'd be ready to execute uh with all the nuances and all the checks and all that stuff uh but let's face it two weeks into training camp most of these guys are ready to play a game so it won't be too much longer than that for him to be ready to go in and and step up one of the things you said he right when he came out in 2017 uh that's the year Jacksonville got all the way to the championship game. Uh, yeah, AFC title. Yeah, game. with Blake Bortles and uh, who was the coach there? Was it Jack Del Rio or no, it was, was Marone. it Marone? Doug Marone. No, no, he wasn't the head coach there. Marone? Pretty sure he was. You're yeah. right, he was. That's right. And they go into Pittsburgh and lump up Ben Roethlisberger and those guys pretty good. I mean, they go right at him, hit him right in the mouth. And Leonard Fournette was a big part of that. He was a monster in his first year. And one of the things he brings to the to the table is, you know, we always we have these stuff going around the NFL now, these angry runs. This guy runs angry. Uh he runs he runs with an attitude. When he when he wants it, he is really really good. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm excited that they got him. He is a, a guy when he is on his game is a difference maker for an offense. Yeah, so it'll be interesting this is to see sixth or seventh year. Interesting to see what the future holds for him. And as I mentioned, Rasul Douglas brought in here to add to the corner depth, in part because last week we saw Josh Norman up, Kyrie Elam down. He was on the injury report with an ankle injury, and. This week, Brandon Bean, in being asked questions about Kyrie Elam and how come he's not getting on the field, how come he's not dressing on game day, Bean led us to believe, based on his comment that you'll hear here, that the nagging ankle injury may force them to give him a different designation and take him off the active roster temporarily. Here's Brandon on that. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie, not everything's been perfect. Um and he has he has had a nagging ankle. Um, we're we're discussing whether to to shut him down or not, and let it let it heal. So he has been a scratch. I wouldn't say he's been a hundred percent healthy scratch, but it's you know part of it has been um, you know it hasn't worked out perfectly. You know in, in the game so far, he was he was inactive to start uh, whatever until Trey got hurt. But you know still know that Kyrie can play. And some of the same things I just talked about with um, Rasul. You know, not everything worked out for him. I know Josh Norman is here, you know, in Carolina. We drafted Josh in 12, and I know there was, a, you know, multiple multiple times we had to sit Josh down. It just um, – I believe it was middle of his third year where the light came on, and, and the next year he really flipped the switch – so uh, I'm still very hopeful. Kyrie's here working hard. He's doing everything. You know, it'd be easy if he's, you know, running the streets or, or not in his playbook. He's, he's doing everything. He's been getting treatment on the ankle around, you know, pretty much around the clock, you know, when he's here. And um, he's a pro. He wants to do well. And, you know, this, this game requires confidence and things like that. And, um, you know, if things don't go well, you're naturally – Maybe your confidence drops a little bit, and you'd have to ask Kyrie where that's at. But uh, we're going to stay with him, and uh, again, we're 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 looking at everything. Whether just to now that we have you know Rasul coming in, um, maybe shut him down, let the ankle calm down a little bit. So 
he was asked to clarify that, just so everybody knows. And yes, IR is going to be a consideration, but it would be to only miss the minimum of four games, you know, to get his ankle right and rested properly so he can be back for a stretch run. So with Rasul Douglas, I think once he's up to speed and they feel comfortable having him as an option on game day, it might be then that maybe Elam gets the designation for IR and, you know, they rest him for four games. Mm-hmm. That's what could happen. Right. Based and on it, what Brandon Bean laid out. Right. Um, it comes down to Elam, too. I mean, Well, right. And we should also mention that Brandon Bean was asked, did you ever consider trading Kyrie Elam? And he said no, very quickly. And they have no intention to. It is their plan to make it work with Kyrie Elam. And so it sounds like, based on some of his own personal experience, watching Josh Norman not blossom until year three, uh, Rasul Douglas had a similar career path. You know, was in Philly, didn't work, went to Carolina, couldn't get on the field, was on the practice squad in Arizona. Green Bay picks him up in his fourth year, and he blossoms, and all of a sudden, he's a starting corner. He's got 15 interceptions in his career, nine of which have come in the last two and a half seasons. Late bloomer. Yeah, and it's it's it happens. I mean, these guys are human beings, and you know you know how different people are from different things. And when you get into a situation where all of a sudden some things click for you, and you've got some experience that you didn't have when you started, just, even if it is two years on two different teams, and watching how people play and talking to other players and seeing how they do it, and you just say, finally, you get to a point where you look yourself in the mirror and say, "It's me," or "Yeah, I can do this now," or whatever. Something clicks. Rasul, that happened for Rasul, and obviously in Green Bay, and we'll see if he can continue that in Buffalo. But that's that's why some of these, some of these you're, so it's hard you to stick with. It it's sometimes. hard to give up on these guys. Yeah. Coaching matters. Coaching matters. And if if you're not going to switch coaches, maybe it is time to switch players. You know what I'm saying? I, who mm-hmm. knows? But coaching matters, and sometimes it clicks, and sometimes it doesn't for these guys. Brandon being also addressed the status of the team here at the halfway point and was asked for his assessment and in his estimation due mainly to the injury losses on the defensive side of the ball he feels this team is still working to nail down their 2023 identity even this team and I believe you know I believe there's a lot of good things happen I believe you know yes we've lost some games but um we're not getting our doors blown off, anything like that. If we were getting run out of the gym, I'd be concerned. Uh, we just – all these games that you win or lose. I mean, we've won some too that you go, man, we we, we probably left them in the game too long. Just some things you got to clean up. But this team is still forming its identity. And uh, while we, we know a lot more than we knew probably four or five weeks ago, uh, I wouldn't say we know exactly where this team's going to be. Um, you know, I think back to that 2021 team, middle of the season, we were win a game, lose a game, win a game. We were still trying to in a rut. And you face different adversity. And when you lose when you lose some guys at once the way we did on, on defense, some leaders and, and different positions in, in Milano and Trey and, and Daquan, we're human. Those guys are human. It naturally rocks you a little bit. Like, all right, who's stepping up? Who's doing this? And now more guys are taking reps that weren't getting reps, whether it's at linebacker, DT, all that stuff. So it just takes time. I think the coaches have done a really good job of getting the next guy. You know, we, it's next man up, easy, 
easy to say, not always easy to pull off. But um, I think the more reps these guys that have – these replacements that have come in for the guys I've mentioned, the better they get in the unit. Hopefully we can stay healthy. They'll get better and better. And um, same thing for offense. I think um, – you know, I thought they really showed some life last week in Tampa. Uh, it'd been a little bit of a you know a rut, you know, since the London game. That wasn't a lot of fun the whole trip. But um, beyond that, we'll um, you know it is what it is. But no, I think long season to go, and uh, we'll see where you know we'll see where it ends. One last note to pass along when asked about whether or not he was in the market looking for defensive tackle help, knowing Daquan Jones is out for the rest of the regular season. He said, yeah, I was making phone calls, trying to see if we could add there as well, put some work in, but nothing came of it. So he was looking, um, even though I think they're in pretty good shape there uh, with Puna Ford and some of the reserves they have behind Jordan Phillips and yeah. uh, Ed Oliver. It's it's hard to find big bodies, man. Yep. They're, they're just scarce. Big bodies that teams are willing to part with. Yeah, it's just it's just hard to do. Now, certainly you can find if a team is lucky enough, well, like the Bills were at one time point in training camp where you thought, man, they got a lot of guys that can have, have some chops. Uh, but even so, you can't find guys that are available, yeah. and teams will not part with them under any circumstances. As you heard there, though, Brandon Bean said the team is still looking to nail down its identity for 2023. The injuries certainly compromised it to a certain extent on that side of the ball. But that's our question for you today. How soon do you think the Bills need to find their identity this season? Took them a while back in 2021. They lost three straight, including the last of which was in week 14 in an overtime loss to Tampa. And then they won their last four and were playing their best football of the year in the playoffs. Perfect playoff game against the Patriots. And then after that, we know what happened in Kansas City, but the point is, when is it? When is the time for them to kind of ha- find their identity, hit their stride, and just go? Because you always hear you don't want to peak too early, and but we're in November now. The calendar has flipped to November, so you let us know at eight zero three zero five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. The numbers to get on board, open line for you. How soon do the Bills need to find their identity for this team? This season, I, I feel like they they may have found a couple of things they can hang their hat on offensively based on their performance last week. I don't know if they can go with such a simplified game plan against a team like Cincinnati this week. They're going to have to diversify that, make it a little bit more unpredictable. I'm, I'm convinced that's part of the reason why the offense started stalling out in the fourth quarter because Tampa had a read on what they were doing. As we heard Dan Orlovsky on the show yesterday say, they only ran about 10, 12 different plays, granted from different formations. They only had about seven or eight RPO plays that they ran. So by the fourth quarter, Tampa kind of had a beat on everything, and maybe that's part right. of the reason they punted three times. That's, that's the way it was back in the day when we ran the no huddle. It was, you know, you had a smaller menu, but because you could run them out of different – we didn't even run them out of different formations. You didn't run, one, run the same play right and run the same play left. Mm. But you only have, like you say, a dozen plays or so – you get to the end of that list pretty quick. Now, you also throw in some wrinkles. I think if you're going to do this, if, if if this offense that we saw against Tampa Bay is going to be their identity, their offense. I don't think it will be. 
there is the way to you got this stuff under your belt now now you can add two or three plays to it and that takes the defense an extra two series to get a handle on it because they there's extra stuff in there um you can keep adding to it and let it steamroll and then by the you know in a month now you've got a full offense that you can run at no huddle all the time however you got to be ready when that team nicks you um, like I said, you, they, they worked that no huddle well against Tampa Bay because they were on the field and they stayed on the field. Right. you got to get first downs. That's where it comes down to. Um, yeah, it won't take defenses long to catch up to the concepts you're using if you start repeating them, even if you got a different formation, even if you got different personnel on the field, which now they probably won't have too many different pers- as many different personnel combinations now without Knox. Right. So – you become a little bit more predictable because you're not changing personnel as much. And if you're running the, repeating the same concepts, even with different formations and different personnel, we've said, we've talked about it a lot, not lately, but yeah. when you become predictable, you become beatable right. and vulnerable. And I don't think you can do that against one of the best defensive coordinators in the league in Luan Arumo in Cincinnati. So it's going to be half, it's going to have to be a more diversified menu and, you know, everything from tempo to formation, all of that stuff is going to have to be a little bit longer and more complex this week if you want to get the best of Cincinnati's defense. But how soon do the Bills need to find their identity this season? GM Brandon Bean said they're still looking for it. The injuries that they suffered on defense compromised it to some degree. So how soon do the Bills need to find their identity? You let us know. 803-0550, When we come back, we'll have the practice updates for you. Got some people that are limited, got some people that aren't practicing, and we'll get to plenty of other details, including a certain prediction about who the Bills may have acquired at the trade deadline from yesterday's show. We'll explain when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. The Buffalo Bills and American Heart Association are continuing their collaboration and will host a free hands-only CPR event on Sunday, November 5th during Cycle Nation. The event is free and open to all members of the Buffalo community from 3 to 6.30 p.m. in the AdPro Sports Training Center right here at One Bills Drive. Visit buffalobills.com slash CPR signup to learn more and to register. Also wanted to remind you that... This week's game against the Bengals is presented by the BFLO Store. The BFLO Store is the official retailer of the Buffalo Bills. We jump from that right into Bills practice updates, which are brought to you by LECOM, your Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. Bale Inspector Kyrie Elam not practicing today due to hamstring and ankle injuries, respectively. Safety, DeMar Hamlin, also not practicing due to illness. And then limited in practice today, Quentin Morris with that ankle and Josh Allen with his shoulder. When Brandon Bean was asked if Allen has experienced any setbacks with the shoulder ailment he's been dealing with, he said no. And that limited status today was part of the plan. 
As we said earlier, Fournette is practicing, and as we have learned, Rasul Douglas has made it to the practice field. So he's out there taking in his first practice with the Bills, not participating right now, but is in attendance. So that's certainly good news. Steve, yesterday, during trade deadline day, we were surveying the Bills' options in terms of who they might be able to acquire. And we went through a list of candidates with uh, our good friend from Pro Football Focus, Brad Spielberger. And Spielberger brought up a bunch of names, including some cornerbacks like Carolina's Dante Jackson, who did not move, along with Jalen Johnson, who the Bills were tied to from the Bears. And after we were done with Brad Spielberger, I threw in another corner candidate on the show. Let's listen in. Green Bay's not having a great year. You know, they don't have a lot of – what are they, three and five, I want to say, maybe two and six. So, like, Rasul Douglas, the corner up there, I like him. Uh, big, tall, rangy corner, plays in the zone, and his cap figure is, like, less than a million right now. Wow. So I think he could be an affordable option if they wanted to look at him uh, and has played in zone defenses before, and he's also that tall, long guy that they like. He's 6'2", 209, has a nose for the ball. So I, I, I kind of, my eyes were kind of drawn to him a little bit. I'll say this. That was, a, that was taped from yesterday before the trade stuff came down. Let me say how it works over here. Ain't nobody talking to Brownie about who they're asking about trades. So that was totally on it because we don't, we are I mean, that a, was a whiteboard special right there. That's exactly right. That's us. <laughs> that is us scrawling a name. You actually put it out on the air and called out Rasul. That's um, – I got to give you kudos. And, we, and we, hit, we hit on Dean Marlowe last year too. That's right. We did. We did hit on Dean Marlowe too. Every once in a while we do. But that – the Rasul Douglas, that will go down as an all-timer because um, I'll bet you there wasn't – there wasn't a handful of people in Western New York who even knew who he was. And here you pulled him out. And, did, and I'm telling you, you, people go, well, you're in the building. You probably, we don't hear, they don't tell us. They could well, not, certainly nothing about that kind of stuff. They could never, they can't stay far enough away from us when, they, when yeah. they're talking about that kind of stuff. And uh, for you to pull Rasul Douglas's name out, that's amazing. You try to Good connect. You. Well, you, thank I'm you. So you proud try to, of you. Well, I'm glad you are, Steve. That means proud a lot. of you. Um, you try to connect the dots. So, you know, you look for somebody who's affordable, right. not crushing their cap because well, they don't the have a lot of cap space. They're, they're hard to find. Who plays in zone defenses and who still has a little time left on their contract because the Bills rarely, as we said earlier, trade for rental players. They don't do that because um, the juice isn't worth the squeeze on a rental player you're only going to have for three or four months. Yeah. So they usually look for someone that's got time left on their deal too. He checked all the boxes. So it just kind of made sense uh, just in terms of connecting the dots. So glad we were able to point people in that direction yesterday, and boom goes the dynamite. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. He's, a, he's the kind of corner. We used to talk about this a lot, but, you know, McDermott likes big dudes. Like they love the tall, long corners. That, they absolutely do. So, uh, you know, Rasul Douglas fits that bill to a T. Uh, he's a big dude. So we'll yeah, – here he is. Yeah, and there's stuff on me on social media now. They've got him out there. He's walking around. He's got his 31. Yeah, we were just on. showing it on and he, uh, MSG viewers. Yeah, getting greeted by all the players and uh, jersey number 31. Let's go. 803-0550-1-888-550-2550 is the number to get on board here as we are talking Bills team identity. 
According to GM Brandon Bean, it hasn't been nailed down yet for this season. How soon do the Bills need to nail that identity down so they know who they are going forward and play like it each and every week? We go to the phones, and leading us off today is Kevin in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Kevin? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I think they better find it really fast. Every analyst in NFL TV or talk show or TV show always has one thing to say every year. From Halloween to the holidays to the end of the season is where the contenders and pretenders are. They say it every year. Maybe not those exact words, but pretty much that same denominator. This is where you find out who's going to be crying at the end or smiling at the end, hopefully with a big trophy on their hands. we got to find it out. Now, because if you don't, we're going to be one of the criers, not one of the smilers. And this is, we got the meat of the seasons coming up, starting with this week, and we better find it right quick. Um, we should have almost tried to find it after that putrid loss to the Patriots, even though it was only by four points. But we better find it with the Bengals, or it's going to, remember, this is a team that spanked us out of the playoffs or we're going to come home with another spanking and not in the Bills' favor. And then, of course, we got the Jets, and then the Broncos, the Eagles, you know, and the oh, yeah. Chiefs. And, yeah, you know what I'm saying? This is when, the, this is when it's, they say in Hollywood, this is showtime for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Kevin. Uh, thanks for the call. That's, um, we've seen this happen, too, and I went back and looked. There was that stretch in 2021. Um, where yeah, they lost three straight. Yeah, the Bills lost three straight in or two straight. Tw- well, no, I think it was three in a row. Week 12, 13, and 14. They lost three in a row. Fell no, to they s- lost three of four in 21. They lost to the Colts, 15-41. They beat the Saints, 31-6. Then they lost to the Patriots and lost to the Buccaneers in, yeah. in so that game. So they were game. seven and six. And they went through a place where they, they lost four out of six between weeks nine and weeks 14. They lost four out of six. And then they finished the season with four straight wins over the Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, and the Jets. And they finished with a flurry, and that's that's when they were at their best. So that's kind of – and I said this last year. Remember when they got out of the, the gate last year as the Super Bowl favorites? They were ever, yeah. everybody's darling. And they went to L.A., crushed them. Tennessee shows up in Buffalo and crushed 41-7. them. 41-7. And so everybody's – the problem with that was – you got to do that for four months. Yeah. That's hard. And then all the injuries hit, and then the DeMar Hamlin so thing happens. And- just hang in there. Don't, don't worry about the – let everybody else worry about their schedule and all that, but hang in there and get to the playoffs crescendoing. I remember in 21, they got to the playoffs. They were completely healthy, and they were playing hot. Right. And that's the, that, was, that was the year when we all thought that was their best opportunity. And here's my question. What was the record after the first eight games in 2021? In 2021, after the first eight games was, hold on, wait, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They were, oh my gosh, they were five and three. Okay. Not a lot of margin for error here at five and three with this gauntlet of a schedule. But they'd already had the bye. Yeah. Don't have, you know, the buys coming up. The third loss was week eight. It was the Jacksonville game, the six to nine loss. The the ugly, ugly loss is when they hit that stretch. And then all of a sudden things turned back to the phones and to Jack in Kenmore next. What do you got for us, Jack? There's a couple of things here, gentlemen. 
I just want to say this. If we win the coin flip this week, would you take the ball or would you go on defense? Uh, My opinion is I want to go on defense. What's your opinion? There's part of me that wants to take the ball because I I want to believe that they can be successful on that opening drive when the Bengals don't really know what's coming yet. They don't have a feel for you yet. Get some points on the board and let your defense go hunt because – this defense is at its most effective when they're up on the scoreboard yeah. and they can pass rush. Jack, or Jack, I get the sense that this is different than what you would usually do. <laughs> Here's another thing, Steve. Do uh, This is a week-to-week league, okay? NFL means not for long, okay? And I don't know if I told you guys before. When we played the Giants, I think that our boy Tyrod called that play because he paid Buffalo back for giving him a three-year contract. <laughs> How does that sound? <laughs> he said, Listen, yeah. thanks for the three-year contract. I'm paying you back. I'll check off the line of scrimmage so maybe you guys can win this game. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a heck of a prediction. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't thanks, think Jack. so, Jack. But yeah, because if that you, was entertaining, yeah. though, That's good. I though. enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, but, yeah, there is a part of me that wants the Bills to take the ball first if they get that opportunity. That's not saying they're guaranteed to be successful, but there's a part of me that kind of wants the Bills to be playing from ahead because I think that allows the defense to play its best brand of football when they're up on the scoreboard and the other team has to go to the air. Now, the Bengals may go to the air anyway, and there is a part of me that does worry about Buffalo's pass rush being rendered ineffective by the fact that Burrow gets it out in 2.27 seconds on most dropbacks. So there is that also. But I don't know. I, I kind of want – I just feel like the last couple of times, the canceled game in January as well as the playoff game, the Bills were never on the front foot against Cincinnati. And I'd like to see them on the front foot and see how it changes the dynamic of the game compared to what we've seen in the two meetings last year. Yeah, you know what I, I'm saying? I see it. Yeah, I, I don't remember who won the coin flip in either one of those other either games. I. I think I think the Bills won it in Cincinnati on Monday night, um, because the, the they get a field goal on the first drive. They no Bengals no. went right down, scored a touchdown. Bills came down, moved the ball extremely well, but then settled for a field That's goal. That's what I mean. Yeah, and then. Uh, Cincinnati came back and had like three plays. It was like seven yards, right. seven yards, seven yards, and then the Demar hit. So, um, all of that stuff goes into the mix. But I, the coin flip isn't going to decide the game. But I kind of get where you're feeling because whenever you get into one of these games, you feel like every little thing matters, right? You and this is a, it's been a long time for Buffalo. In fact, it's been 27 games since they were the underdog. Yeah, and. They're, I'm not a gambler at all, but they're for the first time in 27 games, the Bills are not favored to win this game. They're down like a point and a half to the Cincinnati or I think whatever it's up it is. to three now. Right. Okay. So, so you feel like, so all of us kind of feel that ourselves. And when you get into a game like that, you always feel like every little thing counts, including the coin flip. I mean, that's where we're all at here. We're all backed into a corner mentally thinking the Bills are up against it, against a team that I don't know, if, that we don't know if they can beat because we haven't seen them beat them. Right. That's rare. Yeah. This, team, this team is hard to beat. The Bills are hard to beat. And teams who beat them 
Usually there's something else. Like the last one was this Indianapolis Colts. Well, the last one was the Bengals, but the last one before that was the Indianapolis Colts in 2020. Well, those are the only teams that have beat them by more than one score. Right. During the regular season, like 15 to 41, and that was because the Colts had a huge chip on their shoulder from getting put out of the playoffs by the Bills. Now, do the Bills go walk in there with that same chip on their shoulder and put it to the Bengals? I don't know. You'd like to think they got some of that in them. But I think all of us know what we're looking at. Cincinnati's a really good ball club. And the Bills are going to have to play better than we've seen them play of late to beat them. Break time for us here, but more of your phone calls when we come back. How soon do the Bills need to find their identity this season? Your call is next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. at the 20 the 10 the 5 touchdown snapdragon apples this bill season head to Wegmans and other local retailers to experience the epic flavor and monster crunch of snapdragon apples the official apple of your buffalo bills well thank goodness for that we got to get right back to the phones though where we're asking you at 8030550 how soon do the bills need to nail down their identity for this 2023 season GM Brandon Bean earlier today said they are still trying to nail it down. For answers, we go to Joe in Williamsville next. What do you got for us, Joe? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, Chris and Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. My uh, my question is about uh, Fournette. With him being on the practice squad, couldn't another team claim him, and wouldn't he have to go to that team? Or would the Bills have, like, uh, you know, would they be able to add him to the active roster right away well here's the thing Leonard Fournette has been out on the street for like two eight, months yeah a couple of months so if anybody wanted him they'd grab him they would have grabbed him or be, have been talking to him already just because the Bills grab him doesn't mean all of a sudden two or other even one other team is interested in him uh, now if somebody else got an injury or if something happened and, and they had been having conversations with Fournette up to this point and they said, hey, this thing happened that we had talked about. Would you be interested? Now, Fournette could say, yeah, you can sign me off the practice squad. But I don't think that would happen. Uh, Fournette picked the Bills as much as the Bills picked him. And nobody's going to pay him any more. Unless they pay him a ton of money, which who's going to do that, right? So, um, yeah, it could poss- it could conceivably happen, yes. But because of the fact that he's been a free agent, I would say – that's not likely at yeah. all. Somebody wanted him. They could have had him anywhere in the last two months. Right. So I don't think the demand is high, I guess, is probably the best way to put that. We go to Randy in Buffalo next. What do you got for us, Randy? Hey, uh, I'm just wondering why Bean and McDermott are so hesitant to do anything at the trade deadline. I mean, last year, San Fran went out. They got McCaffrey. This year, they go out and get Chase Young for a third. We're signing some guy that flamed out in three other places before he caught on with Green Bay. Who? had Jair Alexander on the other side, which helps. Archie's Jair Alexander, which would be Tredavious, is hurt. So he's not a one, he's a two. And we did that. That was our one move. That was it. We, and we picked up a guy off the, for the practice squad, Fournette. I don't – Okay. He's pretty much running to the ground. I mean, why don't they do anything? They, they just kind of sat pat. Yeah, I, I would respectfully disagree, Randy. First, first thing I'll pose to you is how many number one corners are available in the trade market? 
Okay, but they, they gave up a first for Kair Elam to go after Sertain. So we get Wait, a, a they gave Sertan, up a first. What do you Sertan, mean they gave what do you mean they gave up a first for Kair Elam? We we picked him in the first round and the guy can't even make it on the field. So like it's like that first is really gonna do us that that good of a you know what I mean? They missed on that. This is a proven person. So you give up your first, yeah, but you've got a solid guy that's proven. Well, they didn't give up a first. He's still on the roster, so who knows? Maybe the guy catches fire next year. I mean, look at the way Spencer Brown's playing in year three. Look at the way Greg Rousseau's playing in year three. Maybe he just needs another year on the job. I mean, you want to write him off? That's your that's your that's your opinion, and you're entitled to it, Randy. Um, yeah, I'm willing Brandon to wait Be- on him a little bit. And Brandon Bean said today they had no intention of trading Kyrie. Yeah. So, I mean, there's and, that as well. You know, well. you got a solid number two corner. He's got nine interceptions in the last two and a half seasons. So, he's yeah, been but he in Philly. He missed in Arizona. He missed in Carolina. Now, he had Jair. Well, who the hell cares? Randy, who the hell cares what he was doing four years ago? He's a good player now, and you got him now. If you traded for him when he was a cast off in Carolina, I would listen to that argument. The guy's got nine interceptions in like his last 24 games. And I'll say, I mean, there aren't too many players in the league that have done that. I'll say this too, uh, Randy, that you're right. Uh, you, can, you can lose patience with it, and they're like, but think about this. You could have made the same argument for both Ed Oliver and A.J. Epinesa. Um, yeah, what did A.J. Epinesa do the last three years? Right. You could have made that exact argument for those guys in those positions. And the reason teams hang on to these guys is because they see them every day and they see them getting better. And they gain more and more trust. And sooner or later, Kyrie Elam will get a better opportunity with the Bills um, and be ready for it. So, yeah, I get it. You're impatient. You want the Bills to you – you want them to trade for Pat Sertan Jr. You want them to trade for yeah, Marshawn not- Lattimore. You want them to trade for, you know, uh, Jalen Ramsey. You want them to trade – yeah, I get it. You just can't get it done. And you can't other, get it done. And that's the other thing, Randy. Brandon Bean said today he was working the phones trying to get another defensive tackle. Couldn't make it happen. And, and sometimes that's part of the problem. Like Everybody's like, get this guy, get that guy, and get this guy. The problem is you can't just check a box and bang, you got the guy. It takes two people to make a trade, yeah, and, and you've got to get know, that other side to agree. And it took him over a week to get Green Bay to agree to this deal. Right. What and about he probably the, had to sweeten the pot to do it. And think about the defensive tackle from the Giants. Was it Quinnen Williams or the other guy? What's the Leonard? Um, Williams. Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams got dra- got picked up by Seattle. Seattle from the Giants. They gave up like day one picks. Like they gave up a two, two. and a, something and a else five. and a five for Leonard Williams. Bills gave up a three and got a five back. And got a yeah. starting corner. Yeah. so I, Like a starter. He's you the can, number two corner in Green if, Bay. And the other thing he said, I, I'm going to disagree with too, and Randy. salary. You said because Jair Alexander's on the other side, it makes it easier for Rasul Douglas. Well, yeah, maybe because he gets to cover the number two receiver. But that does. guess who's getting targeted the whole game? Rasul Douglas. So it doesn't make it easier. You're getting a whole lot more action. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get it. Everybody wants you know this blockbuster deal, and yet yesterday was the anniversary of the biggest trade in NFL history, uh, when Cornelius Bennett and a couple of ones and a two go to L.A. Eric Dickerson, Eric, Di- and for Eric and my and Greg Bell goes to L.A. with a Bills one and a two, and then Indianapolis gets a two ones, one of Buffalo's ones and a and gets Eric Dickerson gets Eric Dickerson, the Bills get Cornelius Bennett. 
it was a 10 player slash pick deal that brought and so everybody wants a deal like that you know you you want a, a Cornelius Bennett deal where you right. get a guy who's going to play at an all pro hall of fame level for your squad well there's a reason only one of those has happened in the last 35 years yeah they're hard to do they're hard to pull off and it's three teams that was three think about that so yeah kudos to Bill Polin that's why he's in the hall of fame pulling off a deal like that Break time for us here, but Jay in North Buffalo, Mark and Tonawanda, hang tight. We'll get to you when we return. How soon do the Bills need to find their identity this season? They've traded wins and losses each of the last five weeks. Identity time. Now, in a week or two, when is the clock ticking for you? You let us know at 803-0550 as we begin hour number two next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are, hour number two, and the Bills, according to GM Brandon Bean, still trying to find their identity for 2023. It was kind of thrown a curveball with the injuries to three defensive starters, presumably for the rest of the regular season. So you understand why they might still be searching for exactly what their identity is, but how quickly do they need to nail that down? We're already at the halfway point of the season. You let us know at 803-0550. Open lines for you there. But in the meantime, we lead off with Jay in North Buffalo. What do you got for us, Jay? Hey, guys. Uh, happy Wednesday. Uh, before I get into my point, i got to ask, do they make you guys take anger management courses before you get on the air? <laughs> yeah, we try. Deep breaths, Jay. Deep breaths. <laughs> um, no, it's great listening to you guys. Uh, in terms of when they need to figure out their identity, it's, it's yesterday. Um, you know, the biggest issue for me this year is, you know, I, I think um, by his own admission, coach is getting a little bit too involved in the offense. You want to come out, you want to run more 12 personnel, you want to control the clock more, you want to run the ball more, have more of a balanced approach. And that just, it, we can see it doesn't work, you know, especially in today's NFL and more specifically with our current play caller and the talent that we have on offense. Um, you know, I, I think when it comes down to what we need to do, we, we saw snippets of it last Thursday night. Um, you know, I, I will definitely say that the um, running the ball more with Josh was nice to see in its small dose, but, you know, I, I think it needs to be more, you know, let him cook. And in terms of the defense, you know, I, injuries happen, guys. And, you know, I, I don't know if really – letting your identity be altered because of losing some players, albeit key players, is a reason to totally shift the identity of the defense. I think the defense has been great, and I think our problem is to spend the offense. So um, I'll hang up and just listen to your points and go Bills. Yeah, I mean, I'll let, I'm going to let Steve handle the offense. I'll handle the defense. I think the reason it compromised the defensive identity is you didn't just lose those three players to injury. You lost them for the rest of the season. And 
I think evidence of still trying to find that identity has been borne out in Sean McDermott's usage of the dime package. Because the first two weeks, he said, all right, let's see if Dorian Williams can step up. He got benched in two of his first three starts. And then Tyrell Dotson, while he's probably better against the run, he has limitations in coverage. And we saw those exposed. And so what did he do? He had to change again. And 38% of the snaps last week, they're in a dime package with Jordan Poyer up near the line of scrimmage and Taylor Rapp and Micah Hyde deep, although Micah Hyde came down and did some coverage as well. So the, the bottom line is this. You had an all-pro player in Matt Milano at the second level of your defense. He's not there anymore, and they're still trying to find what their identity is without him. And the best way to dial that up, personnel grouping-wise and play-calling-wise. I think that's why the identity has been tough to wrangle for them, particularly on the defensive side of the ball right now. Why don't you handle offense? Yeah, offense. An identity is really what it is, is what you do best. And I think they're still trying to find that out. So, yeah, you're right. It'd be nice to find out what it is um, as quick as you can. But I don't think it should have been done yesterday. It's not necessary that it was done yesterday. It'd be nice if they knew what it was. But here's the thing. What I'm looking at with this season, we've been talking about it early in the show, This you've got to start and crescendo towards the end of the year. And at the end of the year, you need to be playing your best football. Um, certainly, they're, sta- they're hanging tough. They're 5-3 and three at the midway point. They're in the mix for the playoffs, in the mix for the division. All that stuff is still within reach. That's great. And you still got to stay there, no question. The one seed is great. If, if everything breaks your way and you're playing well and you got star players, you can get the one seed. If anything goes wrong, you're going to lose it. So, I, you know, I'm not putting my eggs in that basket as for being the be-all, end-all is to make the season either. So I just think the Bills, this, you, you need to make sure you're in the playoffs. And I want to be playing well then. I don't care. I, I mean, I don't care to not care, but I mean, I they got to be playing well at the end of the season when the playoffs hit. That's when it matters mm-hmm. for this team. Look at the this is not This is not the drought team where you're just, man, just give us a chance to compete late in the season, right? No. This is a team that needs to be hitting on all cylinders when the playoffs start. So, and because when, if the Bills don't know who they exactly they are and what they can do, neither does anybody else. So it's not like they're going to get it like the Chiefs. How many people know what the identity of the Chiefs are? Yeah, I do. I do. It's Travis Kelsey and Pat Mahomes, and now they're getting some play out of their defense. So everybody kind of knows where they're at. The Bengals, same thing. They got those three guys and it's Joe Burrow, and you got to get them off the field somehow, some way. They're scoring some points. Their defense is salty and physical, and they got a good coordinator. I mean, they, people know who these pe- teams are. If but. If they find that out, they you know they adjust that much more quickly. That's why this no huddle, fast paced offense was kind of eh, pretty nice because we don't see that too often, especially this year. So I get this that we we want to know what our identity is. We want to go out there, and certainly we want to go out and watch the Bills play like they did weeks two, three, and four this season: thirty-seven, thirty-eight points, and forty-eight points in those three weeks. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But man, it's a tough league. And the injuries hit, and now you got to adjust, and you don't do some things as well as yeah. you did. So that's where they're at. I don't identity, identity, identity. I get it. Just be playing well at the end of this year when the playoffs start. Get as healthy as you can get, and go. You got. You do have to win enough games to get there, though. And I think the general consensus now from fans is twelve personnel doesn't allow the Bills to score with the kind of frequency 
that they feel they need for the Bills to play their best on defense as well, which is to get after the passer. And I would subscribe to that myself. And that doesn't mean you just sell out and play 11 the whole game. But I think you probably play a little bit less 12 personnel, particularly with Knox out of the lineup, and figure out a different way to score quickly so you can get up on the scoreboard and let your defense thrive with what it does best. Let's go back to the phones and to Mark and Tonawanda next. What do you got for us, Mark? Hey, fellas. Um, yeah, so I think the second half of the season going into this, um, we have to stop sacrificing points for the sake of balance. I think that's what that comes down to. And I was more surprised that the Bills um, put all, seem to put all their eggs in the Dalton Kincaid basket. And what I mean by that is that they are going to have to rely on him to be the number two option to Stephon Diggs in this offense for this offense to take us, you know, to the Super Bowl. And I don't have any faith in Gabe Davis. I know that, according to Steve Tasker, the Bills can do no wrong, and he has not proven himself to be a true number two receiver. Um, and I just think that um, that their their pick of the cornerback was a need. But we're, we'll see. We're running into a buzzsaw Sunday night. We're not I don't think we're better than we were last year against this team going into this game. And Vaughn Miller looks old and slow. I know it's the injury, but that's just a fact. I'm going to have to listen. Thanks. Yeah. All right. That's I, fair. I mean, you can acknowledge all of that. Yeah, for sure. And I'll say this about Vaughn. I don't, ex- I don't expect Vaughn to hit the gas until week 12, 13, 14. Uh, I thought he looked better last week. He's, he's getting better. That's the best I've seen him play. The thing that you have to know about Vaughn is, first this and year. foremost, he's he's smart, and he knows that it's his, they need him in two months, not now. Right. If they can still win games, certainly, obviously, but they need him to crescendo at the same time I was talking about the offense and all this other stuff crescendoing. That's – that's the timeline for Vaughn, and I think he knows that, and he's pointed towards that, and he's going he's gonna to keep going because he is. Like you said, he's getting better every week, so we'll see that. Uh, Kincaid is second option. I'm okay with that. Yeah, so am I. I'm, I'm with you totally. I, you're right. I think he has surpassed Gabe Davis in that pecking order. Uh, this is Gabe Davis's final year of his rookie deal. I think you've got to have a serious conversation about whether you can upgrade that or not. It's a good um, receiver class coming out in the draft this year. Just um, cheap labor, We've man. seen every other team in the league draft a guy, and all of a sudden he's a house on fire. Now, Gabe came in and has done some awesome stuff for the club, but he disappears too often. And maybe that's not all his fault. Yeah, but maybe still. it's a byproduct of the routes. They're making it, him run lower percentage throws deep down the field. Last week we saw him running underneath routes. What'd you get? Got nine catches. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm all about that too. But, yeah, Kincaid, you're right. He is the – he is, I think, a legit number two option for this offense and should continue to do so. And then the th- first thing you said, uh, sacrificing points for balance, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I'm, I'm one of those guys that says, listen, let's score. As much as you can. Let's score. Uh, if they get the ball two extra possessions because we scored on our two possessions, hey. Make them, see make, if they can match you. See if they can match you because it's hard to do. Uh, and the cornerback being a need, yeah. It's not – Rasul Douglas is not going to help us Sunday night, that's for sure. He's not going to be ready. And he's not going to help us as much as he will be able, even if he's on the field, which I doubt. So, yes, down the road, Rasul Douglas might have been a brilliant move because the guy has really blossomed. But we'll see. Um, 
But I'm kind of with you. That's a good call, Mark. Appreciate it. We uh, have just learned that practice has ended, which means there are players at the post-practice podium addressing the media. Chief among them, Josh Allen. So let's go there now to hear what Josh has to say, knowing he was limited in practice today. Obviously, in the sweatshirt and everything, you were, I guess, supposed to be limited in practice today. Were you, or what did you do? And what? Yeah, I mean, talking with the, the training staff and um, just having a plan with Nate Bresky, just obviously a lot of moving parts, um, but um, didn't do too much today, just taking it easy uh, and just making sure that, you know, I'm putting myself in best position for Sunday and, and making sure that I'm, I'm not sore. So um, didn't throw a lot today, and um, hopefully back tomorrow we'll be on field and like nothing happened. Can you take us into kind of where that is now? I knew it. You know, it's obviously taken multiple hits. So kind of how you feel now and, and where you feel you need to be. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously unfortunate. It's when it's your throwing shoulder. And um, as, a, as a thrower, you don't like feeling any sort of, I wouldn't even call it pain, just discomfort um, in there. And uh, so we're just trying to stay on top of it and get ahead of it while we can. And um, obviously, I hate not practicing. I hate not being... Um, involved in what we're doing. Um, but at the same time, I know this is probably what's best and, and again, just putting myself in the best situation to make sure that I'm ready to go uh, tomorrow and, and for Sunday. Last follow for me, do you have a sense that this is going to be part of a plan moving forward past this week or is it like a week to week? I mean, I, I, I don't think it, it's going to linger too much. Um, but again, I think this was the best best thing for, <clears throat> sorry, best thing for me in, in making sure that, you know, just trying to stay ahead of it and, and not let this affect it long term. Do you, uh, do you feel like it's better right now than it was after the game uh, last week? Absolutely, absolutely. And every day gets gets so much better. And again, if, if I had to had to practice today, absolutely would. If the game was today, I'm I'm playing in the game. Um, but just in terms of making sure that it's not going to be super sore and, and uh, want to be smart when when we're throwing it, and um, you know that's. It's up to our training staff, and you know I trust those guys and, and gals in there implicitly, and you know just making sure we're on, on track for that. What did you come out of that word the most? What did you take away from Yeah, third downs we weren't good. Um, you know, especially third and short areas where we felt like we we were efficient enough on offense, but again not putting together um, great performance on third down that that game obviously they had a plan to you know change our eyes and in protection and you know whether they want to get back to that again um i guess we'll find out on sunday but you know at the end of the day it comes down to executing and that's something that you know myself and this offense didn't do well enough in the playoff game was execute so um you know obviously the season's had a lot of ups and downs and um you know, we're just trying to take it one game at a time, and uh, this is a, a really good defense that we're going against and led by a, another Wyoming Cowboy, Logan Wilson, who's maybe the best linebacker in the game right now. He's flying around. He's super instinctive. Um, their front is is really good. they got four guys up front that can go, um, and I think they're playing really well in, in the secondary too and, and playing and tying it together with their D-line, and they're playing good football right now. So. Uh, we got to be ready for whatever they can throw at us, but uh, obviously it comes down to executing on Sunday night. What do you? Why is? What do you think he does that makes things so difficult? Is he one of these multiple? I don't know. Well, I mean, I think I think they do what they do. Um, 
but a lot, lots of coordinating is having the guys that they can go out there and play and, and fits the scheme um, well. So I think they got they got a lot of guys that are really good on that side of the ball. Um, but he does a good job of, you know, making some some concepts look like man and, and getting out to zone and, and really forcing the quarterback to to stay within himself and take the easy ones. And, and you know, a lot of times quarterbacks will get. Um, They'll start pressing a little bit and start forcing the ball downfield, and they've been doing a good job of taking the ball away. Josh, how much were you able to self scout during this little break? Um, and where would you where would you sort of assess your game at the midway point, and then maybe the offense overall? Yeah, I mean, I think statistically, um, if you look at it, it's it's pretty dang good. And obviously, sometimes stats can be skewed, and um, so you can't always trust those. They don't always tell the bigger picture. Obviously, there's been games that we want to score more, and um, you know we need to execute at a higher level, and you know that starts starts with me. Um, but obviously, with you know nine games left, um, we got to take it one game at a time, and we got to we got to play good complementary football going forward because each piece of the puzzle feeds the next, and, and that's you know offense feeding special teams, special teams feeding defense, and, and vice versa. So um, we got to be better in that aspect uh, for this team to. To win games. Uh, jumping off that with the mini buy, did you have to kind of go back through all the numbers you saw throughout the season and if anything kind of stood out to you? Sorry, what now? Just on um, this like, mini buy, did you have a chance to kind of look back through your previous games that you guys have played and is there anything that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously this this last game I, I felt like we, we executed at a pretty high level. Um, obviously, there's some third downs that we wish we could have back. Um, but you know that's that's honestly what it comes down to: our guys and myself being put in the in the right positions and making the plays. And uh, sometimes it's not so much about the X's and O's and the Jimmy and Joes and going out there and and playing together. Um, and like I said earlier, playing complementary football and not putting our our defense in bad situations. Um, you know, because every everything in this game is so predicated on that. You know, not turning the ball over, having good field position, um, and playing complementary football. All right, that's Josh Allen addressing the media, and maybe the most thing, most important thing he said is he didn't do a lot of throwing today in practice, and they have a plan in place, put him in the best position for Sunday night so there isn't discomfort, and uh, he doesn't think the injury is going to linger very long. But we go and transition from Josh Allen to a guy that catches a lot of his passes and caught six of them for a single-game high 92 yards in his career, Mr. Khalil Shakir joining us in studio, fresh off the practice field. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, Didn't even take the pads off yet. I mean, you came right here. Thank you, you for doing that. Um, I had to stay warm, man. It's cold <laughs> out there today. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, all of a sudden, uh, falls over. What the yeah. heck happened, right? Crazy. Uh, okay, so why don't you tell me, because you know we've heard a little bit from Gabe Davis coming out of last week's game. I know you addressed the media after the game last week on Thursday night, but how does the offense feel about itself after that performance last week, which certainly got off to a much better start than the previous three games. Yeah, really good. I mean, obviously, we got to keep going throughout the in- entire game as well. You know, keeping that um, the the up tempo pace that we we're going. We all we all love doing that. Um, it, was, it works for us. So making sure that we just continue to build on top of that uh, going into this next week. What was the vibe when Dawson goes down and you know he's going to be like, okay, we're not going to have as much twelve personnel. Certainly that. <laughs> You know, Andy Isabella was up this last week, so you you knew it was going to be a different kind of offensive game plan going in. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, us as receivers, no matter, you know, who who's up going into the game, our job is, you know, whenever one of us gets to step onto that field, making sure that we, we take the most of the opportunity. I know uh, Isabella was playing a lot on special teams and he killed it on that. Um, but the rest of us, you know, whenever we were on the field, making sure that, you know, we, we continue to, to work at the pace that we had been planning to do throughout the whole entire week, as well as, um, you know, just doing our jobs. There were a couple of plays in that game last week where it seemed like, you guys had them crossed up, like the one where Josh found you late. That looked like a blown coverage from them. Mm. What do you think you guys may have done to cross them up a little and get them off their game, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just the pace, honestly. I okay. mean, when we're going that fast, um, it's kind of hard to get adjusted, you know, especially teams that like to mix things up, um, give us different looks and blitz a lot as well, show a lot of different pressure. When we're going that fast, it, it can be hard for them to communicate. So, um, you know, like I said, that works in our favor. What about the what's the early returns on the game plan against Cincinnati? I'm obviously, they're playing at a high level. They got Joe Burrow's now healthy. They've won three out of their last four. I mean, this is a, this is a big game going back into Cincinnati on a Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, there was, Coach always says, you know, this is the most important game because it's the it's the next one. So you know, our our eyes are fully on on Cincy, making sure that we you know deep deep dive into them and what they do, what makes them so special on defense as well, and making sure that you know we can create a game plan that that gives us the the best chance to go out there and do our thing. Coach McDermott said today when he addressed the media that you know it's human nature going back into that stadium to not think of what happened with Demar, but at the same time. There's, there's a game to focus on and an opponent to be ready to play against. How do you as a player kind of compartmentalize that stuff? You don't dismiss it because, as Coach said, everybody learned from it, learned a lot about life from it coming out of mm-hmm. that. And, you know, everybody's grateful that DeMar is great and he's okay now. But at the, how do you compartmentalize that as an athlete to focus on the task at hand? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, it's something that we're all going to feel some sort of way when we get there. And I think it's, you know, get there. Um, definitely, you know, acknowledge it, you know, um, it's, it's okay to, you know, feel it in a way. Um, but you know, like we're, like you said, you know, we do have a game to play, making sure that we get our mind back, um, to focusing all on the game and making sure that, you know, we go out there and do our thing. Do you feel like you've kind of carved out your spot now that can you, are you going to be able to duplicate last week's performance and have that become more of the norm rather than the exception? I would like to, I mean, like I said, I've never been been one to sit here and settle and say, you know, I've I've kind of carved my role out and this is what I'm going to do moving into the next week. But um, I'm definitely going to keep working. I'm going to keep working hard. And like I've always said, <clears throat> whenever I'm on that field, taking advantage of that opportunity. I know I, I asked you this after the game down in the press room. Um, yards after the catch was something that this team struggled with for three or four years to rank high in the league in that category. And Steve and I have speculated some of it's because Josh is kind of a put-it-on-you quarterback, not a lead-you-to-space quarterback all the time. He'll just stick it right between your numbers and bury it on your chest, mm-hmm. um, even in tight coverage. Uh, for some reason, that has changed. You guys have successfully raised the bar on yards after catch. I think you guys are in the top ten in the league right now in total yards after the catch on the season. What do you feel has led to that change for the better? Yeah, I think that's definitely, you know, Dorsey making 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 that a point every single week. Um, you know, starting off our meetings with saying rack, you know, that's one of one of his main points every single week. So, you know, we hear it from him, we know that you know what we know what it's been in the past. Um, so definitely making sure that, you know, when we get out there even in, in practice, um, when the tempo's and you know, not full speed or whatever, when you catch the ball, get a field. You know, it's just those practicing those habits, those little habits every single day lead into the game. 
Khalil, it's good seeing you. Thanks for coming. Congratulations. Great game. Keep it up. And uh, we, we hope bigger and better things are just around the corner, too. Yep. Thanks for having me. All, All right. right. That's Khalil Shakir joining us here on One Bills Live. We'll take a break, take more of your phone calls when we return. Stay tuned. Ticketmaster is the presenting sponsor of the Buffalo Bills 2023 season. Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the NFL. Got to get back to the phones, though, at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. And uh, next up here is Jason in Rhode Island. Well, let me get him up here. What do you got for us, Jason? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, Chris and Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I wanted to say, I, I think they really need to start establishing an identity this weekend against Cincinnati and a couple reasons why. Uh, so Cincinnati starts a three-game conference stretch for them. They're two and three in the conference right now, and it sure would be nice to have a home playoff game. Uh, but the other reason is um, you need to start establishing an identity now so you can really kind of hone it in and, as Steve says, start playing your best football at the end of the season. It, it's not like a light bulb goes off and everything works better. I think you really need to start establishing it, honing it in and refining it, and then hopefully be humming along the last few games. So, uh, and not to mention Cincinnati seems to have our number here. So it'd be nice to see uh, some traction on that front this weekend. Yeah, it's because the, the identity thing, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, most of us are, you know, kind of think of the offense when we do it, and it's easy to see why they may have lost their way I, when you talk about their identity because, you know, Knox goes down and all of a sudden all this 12 personnel, 38% of their snaps goes away. So now what are they going to do? They're going to plug in Kair Sh- Khalil Shakir and go there and say, well, how's that going to work? And it worked good uh, against Tampa Bay. For three quarters. For Yeah, and then, you know, they kind of – is it going to is it going to be sustainable? Are they going to be able to do that? Um, you know, they only scored twenty four points, and it felt like they ran out of gas at the end of that game. Um, now, maybe some of that was philosophical or whatever. You, short week, short week, all that stuff. Okay, but yeah, you'd like to see one. You'd like to see him go to thirty one there, get in the end zone one more time. Yeah. When it and it would have been thirty one ten. You know, when they were able to do that. And then Tampa Bay scored the touchdown late, got the two-point, made it 18, and it made it close. But and, – and it ended up being, you know, a Hail Mary. Right. Uh, but there were, you know, like, a handful of unsustainable things that made it get that close. I mean, the, the p- penalties, most notably. Yeah. I mean, you're a face mask penalty away – From being done. From being up – from winning by 14. Right. So, so all of that stuff. Um, but that's – you're right. That's – the identity kind of comes back to the point where you, you know when you, and that's why we say well injuries happen to everybody yeah they do and it bothers everybody that's why it's such a big deal but he's also right about the conference race too the bills have some ground to make up there both in the division and in the conference because they're one and two in the division and they're two and three in the conference you want an idea on how bad a start cincinnati's gotten off to they're oh and three in the conference so you've got a leg up on those guys in terms of conference record which is the first tiebreaker for two teams that are not in the same division after head-to-head. 
So you get the head-to-head, it's a foregone conclusion. If you don't, now you got to start hoping you have a better conference record than them, and then all of a sudden they're 1-3 and three in the conference, and you're 2-4. and four. Right. So these AFC games matter now because of the hole you dug yourself at the start of the year, losing to the Jets, losing to Jacksonville, and then losing to New England. So you got to make up some ground here, and this AFC game is a big way to do it. Back to the phones and to Kevin in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Kevin? You're on One Bills Live. Oh, hi there. I just wanted to mention, first off, um, go Bills, always. And number two is to the previous caller asking about Kyrie Lam and why didn't we trade for Sertain. I feel like a lot of people have false expectations, like this is Madden or something, and it feels like they think they can just turn off fair trade and all of a sudden everybody can just take who they want. But unfortunately, he's like, hey, let's just get a give a first and we'll get certain. It's not really that simple. Sometimes you need three first and are we going to really mortgage our future over one player when we're not necessarily just one player away from the big one? Yeah. That's really all I had. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah. I get it, Kevin. Um, yeah. People think that trades are easy to orchestrate. Brandon Bean basically admitted it took him over a week to get the Rasul Douglas deal done. Several phone calls. And then he made numerous phone calls trying to see if they could fortify the defensive tackle ranks and ultimately couldn't pry anybody away. And Lord knows how many phone calls that took. And nothing came of it. Um, Right. It happens all the time. Deals that don't get done. So just because they don't get done, don't say the GM's not working hard enough. Guy's working, but you need another guy to agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it's because, you know, it's it's like most of us fans are like – your little kid when you take him into the dime store for a first time they want everything you know (laughs) and money no object Uh, it just doesn't work that way the give up is notoriously too much Uh, the player or for a a top flight player and most teams I mean nobody's willing to, to trade their top corner nobody's willing to trade their you know their starting free save they're starting this they're not they're not they're gonna do it because I get too much pushback from the coaches because, you know, it's, it's painfully obvious, but you got to say it, I guess, because people are talking about it. Coach doesn't want the general manager to trade away a really good player because it makes him look bad when they go on the field and they can't play. And they start giving up long touchdown passes. He says, well, you traded away my guy. Well, nobody wants to hear that. You know, they said, well, that, that's on you. It's not on the, on the fact that you have a lesser player than you thought you were going to have or whatever. The next GM and next head coach will benefit from the draft pick you got back. Thanks a lot. It stinks. Yeah. It stinks. Yeah, it's – the trade market is not an easy thing to get deals consummated on, especially when you have so many teams that believe they're still in the hunt. Like, the Broncos are a perfect example. Two weeks ago, everybody's talking about how the Broncos are going to have a fire sale by the time they get to the trade deadline. They win two in a row, and they're like, well, hold on a second. We're a game out of second place. We're in a wild card hunt now at Mm -hmm. three and five with nine to play. We're not throwing anybody overboard. Right. So it changes the dynamic considerably from where it was two weeks ago. That's just one example. There's about five others like that. Well, yeah, you think about the Broncos. This is the first year in like in like Patrick Mahomes era that where they've looked vulnerable. And you know, they're finally they've won 3 out of their last 5 after starting obviously 0 and 3. 
Mm-hmm. So they're starting to get it on. They're starting to bottom out and and fight out of this. Russ Wilson played better this last yeah, week. I mean, he I hasn't mean, played poorly, really. So they want to see what they've got. And even if this thing does go, they're not one player with free agency trade deadline and their draft picks. They got to feel like, hey, they can turn around a little quicker than just yeah. by than by unloading it. They don't need to do that. Get, and I, I'm kind of with them on that. Let's go to the post-practice podium where Jordan Poyer is addressing the media now after practice. Pretty legendary Halloween costume. Thank you. Uh, how long did that take to get into it? Uh, <laughs> it took about uh, four and a half hours to put on me. It took about four and a half, five or five and a half from my wife. We were avatars, in case anybody was wondering. Uh, the real-life avatars. It was pretty cool because um, I do believe I'm an alien. So we actually dressed as avatar, and uh, we had a... A lady come from L.A. come out here and dress us up. We had a great time at the Halloween party. Was it a surprise when you walked into the Halloween party? Yeah, a lot of people didn't know it was me, so which is pretty cool. Um, I looked in the mirror. I didn't even know it was me, so it was you know it was really well done. The lady, the lady did a really good job. Saying you believe you're an alien kind of demands a follow-up question. What, uh, Absolutely. What do you mean by that? I'm just you know I'm just a different breed. You know I'm just I've always ever since I've grown up just always felt like I was kind of the the odd one out. So you know the one that had the everybody's going right. I'm gonna go left. You know everybody's going up. I'm gonna go down. So um, yeah, I just believe I'm a I'm an alien. Uh, you had a chance probably to self-scout a little bit after uh, this little bit of a break after eight games. Where would you say um, the secondary's play has been uh, you know, throughout that? Yeah, I just want to continue to get better. Um, I think we fell short in the takeaway uh, over these last couple of weeks. You know, I want to get back into you know getting the ball back to Josh and getting back ball back to our offense. Um, you know, something that we've been uh, focusing on. You know, these past couple of weeks. You know, it was something that you know came along early in the season. We really want to get back to that, find ways to take the football away, whether it's getting the ball off somebody or, or, or getting the ball out of the air. So, um, just getting back to that and just playing our style of defense, playing together. You know, communicating and um, and playing physical. And so. Uh, you know, we just are, are just continuous Kaizen growth. We want to keep doing that. Joe Burrow's been getting healthier, that calf, and their mm-hmm. play, the function of that offense is obviously corresponded. What, what makes uh, the way they approach things, that quick rhythm passing mm-hmm. game, hasn't changed all that much. What, what's the challenge of defending? Yeah, I mean, he's an extremely smart quarterback um, who's seen all the looks. He knows where to go with the football. He can make all the throws. Um, and he's got good playmakers around him that understand that offense as well. So, you know, it is going to be one of those games where we're going to have to play extremely well to win and find ways to take the football away. But, you know, it's a really good offense with, you know, really good skill position players and, you know, a solid offensive line. And so, you know, when they're able to get in a rhythm and, you know, Burrow's able to get in a rhythm and, and put the ball on his receivers and, you know, you know there's, there's yards after catch. And so, um you know, it's going to be a big task for us. Um, we had a great day today at practice. Um, just continuing to prepare and continue to just evolve as a as a defense, um, as a team. And, uh, you know, we're excited about Sunday night. Does a lingering sting from how they started out against you in that playoff game? Kind of one of those for a No, not really. What do you think you might have been asked to chase on screens? You know, I mean, he's so good at running after the catch. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Yeah, he's a strong, strong. Strong runner, very strong runner. Um, you know, he gets a lot, a lot of yards after contact, and so um, just getting population to the football, um, understanding. You know, he's going to throw the stiff arm out. He's going to throw his shoulder down. He's going to, you know, uh, you know, more population we get to the ball, the less one-on-one tackles that that we have to make. But you know, there's going to be some times we're going to have to make some one-on-one tackles and uh, be physical and be strong and get him to the ground. 
All right, that's Jordan Poyer addressing the media after practice today. Got to take a break here, but Steve and I close it up next on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, some final thoughts on the tweet sheet about how soon the Bills need to find their identity this season. Brandon Bean said, they're still trying to nail it down here at the halfway point of the season. Allen says, by the Eagles game, no doubt. By then, the Bills will be 7-3. and three. The gauntlet is set with those next three games. It'll be make or break. Don says, it needs to all gel a couple of weeks leading up to the playoffs. Just make it all work right now with duct tape and rubber bands until then. News, Bills News Consolidated says, I think the teams that can find their identity usually make the playoffs. Obviously, some teams force their identity before the season even starts, but an identity is earned through success. Therefore, we need to find it right before the playoffs start. And then Mike says, probably by Sunday, when they are playing arguably the best team in the AFC. That win that the Bengals got last week out in San Francisco was impressive. It was. That was a, that's a really good football team in San Francisco. The Bengals walked in there and thumped them um, and did it on both sides of the ball. Yeah, so, taking the ball away and congratulations their to them. It, this is a This is a, the beginning of the stretch we've been talking about since the schedule came out. This game through week 14. 16, actually. 16 is – is a crusher and maybe 15 charges. We'll see, but I'll say this too. Yeah. It's the Bengals, Jets, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers. And and I skipped the Broncos. This is, uh, and, and the bye week is in week 13 too. So you got that in there, but, um, this begins a really tough stretch. Um, and it begins with maybe the toughest game there is so far. Toughest game, probably the next three. Yeah. You know, Philadelphia on the road, that's not going to be a piece of cake either. Um, Kansas City is always tough, although the Bills have gone in there and won before in the regular season. So we shall see. It all starts Sunday night. That's it for Steve and I today. We'll see you tomorrow at 1.